0: You're listening to the Verso podcast. Hello, my name's Dan Hancocks, and welcome to the Verso podcast in collaboration with Compass as part of Our London, a series of conversations in the run up to the 2016 London Mayoral and Assembly elections. London in 2016 is often referred to as a world city, and it is certainly growing in population all the time, a cosmopolitan metropolis home to incredible wealth and incredible poverty. The leading candidates for mayor include Zach Goldsmith, an old Etonian conservative, who inherited hundreds of millions of pounds from his billionaire father, and Sadiq Khan, a working class Muslim son of a bus driver. Their backgrounds may differ starkly, but even Sadiq Khan, as as Labour candidate, has said that he welcomes the fact that we have 140 plus billionaires in London and more than 400,000 millionaires. What he didn't say in that interview with The Spectator is that the richest tenth of Londoners own wealth worth 273 times the poorest tenth. Today we're talking about how to challenge the vision of London as an olig- oligarch's paradise and hosting a meeting of generations as we welcome Amina Gachinga, a London Assembly candidate representing Take Back the City, which is a grassroots, unaffiliated movement whose ethos is very much there in their name, and Linda Bellos, who among other achievements worked for the GLC in its radical 1980s heyday until it was abolished in 1986 by Margaret Thatcher, a sure sign that you're doing something right. First, I'm going to ask Amina and Linda to introduce themselves in a bit more detail. Amina, uh, can I ask you to tell us about your background and how you came to politics and how you came to Take Back the City?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, hi. Uh, <laughs> I am a singer. Uh, primarily, that's how I earn my living. Um, I've always lived in Newham. I was born in Hormerton Hospital um, and yeah, like I, I kind of became political, I guess like over the past few years like probably after I went to uni actually um I found that university was quite an alienating experience for me so I was studying studying uh international studies at goldsmiths and I found myself like surrounded by like public school boys um and <laughs> like I yeah I was like learning about like colonialism and starting to link it like to my history and like my dad, my mum and my dad come into this country from Kenya and Singapore as like post-colonial children. And like, yeah, I just started thinking about things in those terms. But in university itself, I felt it wasn't a safe space for me to share my experiences. So it's actually like in Newham itself that I found my politics, because I feel that there are, There's so much injustice happening in in Newham, but I've lived there all my life, but I couldn't see it before. And then, like, my media teacher came to me one day and she said, hey, I'm starting this thing called the Momentum Project. I want to sort of start talking to uh, Newham residents about what issues our borough is facing, what they like about living in Newham, what they don't like, you know, and... Started chatting to different communities about their experiences. Eventually, we settled in, like, London City Airport area, which is, like, North Woolwich, and just found this community of, like, many different kinds of people, white working-class people and then immigrants from, like, West Africa, Caribbean people, so many different kinds of people, but they were really disparate and, like, they were facing, like, so much injustice in their area. Um, So, yeah, I started talking... To them about how they feel the council's working for them what they think about the airport expansion plans um and people were like in opposition to it but they didn't feel there was any way of tackling um a major corporation which is in bed with a corrupt council do you know what i mean and they, they just were a bit defeatist basically um so for the past three years i've like set up a choir there um called the royal doc sing stars and We've been doing uh, community like festivals and running projects, and I really feel that that was where my politics started. In relation to where Take Back the City is there for me, I was asked by Jacob Mukherjee, who was my old politics teacher um, in Newham Sixth Form College in Plasto, "Do you want to be part of uh, a movement that I I really want to build in London?" I was like, "A movement in London, like really, you know?" And I went to the first meeting last year in January and I was like, Wow, like there are loads of different kinds of people here. It isn't like your regular activist meeting with loads of white middle class people. It's like like there were sixteen year old black kids there, do you know what I mean? And I was just like, wow like and we all like we had one on one conversations. It didn't all have to be like in front of everyone you know what I mean? Like it was just starting To build like a different way of participatory politics. And it had a plan, and the plan was to take the power back. Um, And I liked how ambitious it was. And I didn't think that it'd be me standing. Like, I don't think that I was sitting there in that first meeting, like, yeah, I'm going to run for mayor. I'm going to run for the, do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like that. It was just like, uh, this is a place in which my politics can grow. And this is a place where I feel I could make a difference. Like, Sorry to coin a cheesy phrase. Yeah,
0: and Linda, could you could you tell us about how you came to be involved in politics and what perhaps the political landscape looked like before you got involved either in the GLC or in Lambeth?
2: Well, firstly, age is relevant um, in the sense that I'm now 65, and I was began to be politically active in the 19 late well really early 1950s. Uh, I'll tell you my first political act, age four, at my nursery school, it was called then William Wilberforce school and my brother and I were the only black children in the school and we were invited no required to dance around the maple tree on the 24th of May which is Empire Day and we were meant to give thanks that we were not black I was four years old and I objected and I remember being sent to I still remember I can remember sitting, under a table in the headmistress's room. I was punished for expressing these views. Well, that was, that would be 1954 or 55, not sure, probably 55. And I haven't really changed my view in the sense that I will speak out at the time. I will, I can't, I can't countenance injustice and unfairness. And at an early age, you know, oh, I think I was 13, I read Das Kapital. It, I have to tell you, it took me some time to reread really dense sentences and paragraphs. But something clicked. And I, I, I think I would, I called myself a Marxist. I was and I am. I remain a Marxist, although um, I'm a keen fan of Marx's, um, what are they called, the pol- political and economic essays they were banned in the soviet union for many decades reprinted in 1974 and i have my second or third copy because i lend them to people and i don't get them back um really to be recommended uh because he what he's talking about is a is a life i mean there's lots of things that are wrong with uh, and problematic about about marx uh, but uh, he was a, he was a, a man of his age he was sexist racist blah However, his analysis of the world was not wrong, in my view, and he did talk about a rounded life in which a person, he was talking about a man, would uh, work for some hours and play, play as in garden or do recreational things for other hours. What a vision and what what a world we'd have if instead of working as people do in london or working being present at work for 12 or more hours in order to show that you've really got the the guts the balls to uh to be there um that kind of competitive nasty world has become more pronounced here we are in 2016 and i was critical of the 19 19- 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and, and the noughties and it's getting worse and it's wonderful to see and hear the new movement of inclusion Um as I, I some other things I mean I, I, relevant to my political development was becoming a feminist and in fact I have to say becoming a lesbian feminist I had been identified as heterosexual as we all did the the choice and opportunity even the thought if I thought about lesbians they were all white that was you know the killing of sister George That was a really negative horrible stuff and I went to university as a mature student and at university I went to Sussex and at university I don't know what happened but the scales fell from my eyes and I came out as a dyke. Uh, you can't call me a dyke. I can call myself a dyke. Yeah, my life changed uh, significantly. And I, so I, I was active in the women's liberation movement. Very active in the women's liberation movement, and participating in lots of black lesbian events. Um, but a lot working with a lot of white lesbians on a common issue of violence against women. The one thing that was common to all women and remains common to all women. Is violence by men, sexual violence in particular. Then I rejoined the Labour Party, having joined and then left, and joined and left because, because the Labour Party has been so appalling about some things that one has to resign in order to to measure something. Otherwise, people assume that you think it's okay, whatever whatever dreadful things they've bloody done. Yes. So, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, yeah. So I have. Le- joined, left, joined, left. I'm still a member now. Particularly, well, when, when, um, what was that ghastly man? Um, which one? The first prime minister sure, right. in the <laughs> in the 1995 Blair, when he oh, 97. 97, 97, 97, These are my times. Okay, so 97, when he resigned <laughs> as leader, which was 2000 and something, 2007. seven. Then I um rejoined. I rejoined because, as a statement uh, uh, so having left because of him and the night when he left i I rejoined the party as as did my partner uh so I do things like that I mean yes, they're token things but but one has to at least in some way signify that one isn't compliant with this with the, whatever the bloody rubbish that they're talking, and I still tell it like I see it
0: thank you and I mean one one thing that seems clear from your um incredible political career is is the necessity of operating both inside and outside of the institutions of power. Absolutely I, I have and I think that we can and should take back the power I mean had it not been
2: for I wouldn't have become a councillor had it not been for working at the GLC and seeing what that administration what I'm talking about the Ken Livingston administration what all of them and it wasn't just him but they did some really imp- important things. The things that... Um, Reg Race was the chair... He wasn't the chair. Or what was he? He was the head of the... Pol- I think it was the policy unit, and I can't remember exactly what it was called. It's a long time ago. But what he, his ability to look strategically at what... Um, service delivery was going on and change it he didn't tweak it he really made some fundamental changes which are about transparency they're about targeting the people that you need to target not just having any service and not and not recognizing who's receiving it and who isn't receiving it that sort of thing was important and helped me when I decided well I didn't say a sort of circumstances prevailed that made me put myself forward to be leader of Lambeth Council which was basically my colleagues having been surcharged and disqualified um so in those circumstances i did feel as a previously a local government officer and for a short time a councillor before that i felt that i could put myself forward to be leader which is what i did and about two years later stepped down from that but that's another that's that's another story
0: um and uh, amina i mean for take back the city sort of standing you as a candidate in the city and east um sort of in lo- large constituency that's only part of what take back the city have been doing is that right
1: yeah well originally we wanted to do like run a mayor right and yeah cause a ruckus that way but um you know resources and capacity and all that uh have meant we're running in city and east but for me like uh that's perfect because <laughs> i 'm at home in City and east that that 's been my home all my life so um so yeah we're running a candidate to show that 's possible for change to happen um and it's really important that the candidate comes from the community that is bearing the brunt of austerity, cuts discrimination from a racist police like all of these things like um we need. Representatives that come from these communities, and that's something that we're trying to build, um, and it doesn't happen overnight.
2: I'm so sick of seeing white, almost public school educated Labour Party men being parachuted into to seats that can be won, in other words, they're white working class, and there is an assumption that simply putting a man with labour on their lapel means that there will be support, that is just so cynical. It's so lacking in respect for communities. There are communities that could bring and nurture their own, one or more people who could represent, and I'm so pleased that you're doing it in your area.
1: No, that's so true, and like in the community centre that I'm working in called Astor Community Center. There's a woman called Tracy Smith and she manages the center. And she's like so in touch with that community. It's unreal. Like she knows exactly what needs to be done. Um, and she knows like there's grand like, uh, like mistrust of, of her to like have a budget in that community. Do you know what I mean? And, like, she knows exactly what needs to be done, but...
2: They know nothing around, about the communities but... that we, we that we live in. I mean, I don't live in... I don't live in the inner city anymore. In fact, I live in rural Norfolk. I know that might sound a bit contradictory, but <laughs> there's nothing wrong with Norfolk and there's nothing wrong with the countryside. And at my age, my partner and I decided that we actually needed to get out of London, That's if you know exactly what I mean, because exactly. it, was, it was more an age thing, and I'm really glad, because I can re what's the word recharge mm. but I have to come back to London or Manchester or Birmingham cities mm. because that's where mo- many working class people live There's, yeah. and, and, and I relate to the class that I grew up in yeah As well as the class that I have become accustomed to enjoying, which is middle class. Mm. And it's what my parents, ironically, my parents as working class people wanted my brother and I to go to university and to have, you know, a nice house. That's what they worked for. And I don't want, you know, it's not this. (laughs) I do find quite a lot of downwardly mobile people who've got you know went to public school who've got university degrees yeah. who then want to slum it who also live in squats yes. and and i'm thinking hmm yeah <laughs> i have i have a certain critique of that
1: we could go into that <laughs> but um, right so where, where was i no gonna- <laughs> so they're all good no no it's uh so like so take back the city is about building a participatory uh politics that is crowdsourced um and really engages with people that aren't or don't consider themselves to be political but very much know like what they think about what's going on in their areas and also they have a vision of london and often we're thought to like not have like hopes for this city or whatever not to have the solutions um and we're finding that this is very untrue especially when talking to like young people who are living in inner cities yeah
0: could you tell us specifically about those outreach workshops that you've been doing because i think that's a really amazing specific example of how you've sort of you know sought to connect with people who feel marginalized by the political process
1: sure so we've been arranging um these workshops which are basically discussions with community groups um across london like or even like colleges schools universities, uh, workers groups as well, migrant refugee groups as well. Um, and we've been organizing like hour and hour and a half like workshops. Um, and by the end of the workshop, they basically vote on a few demands that they think are key to changing London. Um, that, that very much includes young people. It's so important. And because they can't vote yeah. as well. Do you know what I mean? And like I said, they have so much so much to offer um and but they've been written off like a lot of the time so yeah these these workshops we organize them um and they're liberating spaces where we can share our views and like sometimes people don't talk about their politics, but um in these groups, like they're often already safe spaces because they already know each other and stuff and and then we just like provoke. The discussion basically um and yeah so we've been adding them into our process like all these demands finding out what are the top demands across london and that these like there are over a thousand demands that we had um and then also with the online ones taking them into account as well um we've based basically formed a manifesto based on these demands um so we think that it's incredibly legitimate manifesto and it's a different way um of engaging people in a process they'd never um have been a Part of like with a regular political party.
2: I think it's called bottom up as opposed to top down. Yeah. That's the, that's the that's the usual way it's described, and and it, it's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about the people, then engage the people in identifying what their priorities are, as opposed to telling them what you think is best for them.
1: And also, Linda, it's not always what you want to hear, is it? These are the discussions we have to have, right? nicely
2: stuff around homophobia that you that mm-hmm. comes up. Mm-hmm. But because you're engaged, you can have real discussions and thrash things out. And I found that, I mean, when I was working in Brixton, I'm having grown up in Brixton, and working in Brixton for some decades, even even um, some of the stuff around homophobia from some of the guys, one could be honest and frank and open about things. And I remember one guy telling me, he stopped me in the street and he said, he liked some of the things I said, but he didn't like the fact that I'm a lesbian. I said, what? It's cool, man. You know, you, yeah. you, I, I'm not waiting for his approval. You know, I don't. I don't need him to like my sexuality. But but that he could say that to me yeah. was a good thing.
1: And then whatever barriers are broken down. Exactly. Beyond that, you know, but at least have the conversation. In I think a lot of the left are scared of having these conversations. Especially, yeah, I don't know. I've I've been met with all kinds of like conversation on doorsteps where it's like, you know, old old working white uh, work white working class people telling me about oh, but now we don't have queuing, you know, on the buses, um, and it's not people like you looking at. do you know what I mean you're different you're different like you're not like them other black people you're not do you know what I mean and it's like uncomfortable for me but then I need to like look at where they're at and Um, what their history is and what are we going to do to move forward like but I think a lot of people aren't willing to give the time to having these uncomfortable conversations Uh,
2: I, I think you're absolutely right it's been my experience as well Thank I mean and when I was when I was canvassing and I was one thing to look I learned about canvassing immediately if you're doing a tower block take the lift up and walk down yes. do not start from the bottom <laughs> it's the first, that. Yeah, I didn't do it I didn't do it so I was really but you only do that once <laughs> <laughs> but it does mean that you get a whole variety of stuff oh, yeah. and that, that was me in the mid-80s canvassing to to be a councillor in Lambeth and of course the majority of people for all the stuff that's said about Brixton it's assumption that it's like 90% black well it wasn't then, it ain't now it was uh, 75% white, funnily enough even at the most, you know yeah. so um, that there's engaging with different communities who have their preconceptions about other people so mm-hmm. a lot a lot of young black guys boys in particular and the girls will assume that lots of older white people are going to be racist some are some aren't okay. just like some of the kids will have good manners and some won't so you know there's a that kind of mixture but Actually engaging human being to human being does make a difference.
1: It's the only, but Linda, it's the only chance we have. Like, we can't do it any other way. And, like, I see marches and I see protests and I'm like, but we need to look at the demographic of these marches and these protests. And at the demographic, it needs to change. Like, everyone needs to be part of this if we're to make a real change, do you know what I mean?
0: I'm, I'm reminded of a, a march that took place a, about a year after Mark Duggan was killed, which was a sort of peace and unity march that went from Dalston to up to Harringay, and there were a lot of uh, white middle class revolutionary socialists there screaming, one solution, revolution, as they walked down Kingston Road, and I just, I, you know, I, I, I just thought, yeah. it, it, this, this is how you're promoting peace and unity, and, try, and trying to bring people into a political process. Yeah. Um, So, Amina, could you tell us what kind of things are coming up in these outreach, like what what sort of demands are coming up uh, that have filtered into the manifesto?
1: So it's of no surprise that housing is the biggest demand and, you know, like more social housing, but rent caps actually has been the top uh, demand. Um, And, you know, we've been we've been looking at policy and like trying to cost it up and like, looking at the fact that we've got so many empty properties in London means like, we're we're thinking of, you know, how can we have it written in law that we can reclaim empty spaces that have been left for, say, six months, you know, uh, left there to speculate. Um, and yeah, or how could we claim big spaces for community use as well, yeah? So we have like, more centers for young people or, yeah. Places, the commons, as I've I've recently come across this new like this is new to me the, the idea of a commons and now like when I've I've just been to Mexico and I'm seeing the way that like, they have squares and stuff yeah, and yeah yeah common Mexico City like it had like loads of squares where people can uh, do flamenco dancing God knows what and it's public public spaces but actually the commons like it's incredible. Um, so yeah, we're looking at that stuff, and, and also uh, like Tres Cosas, which is a migrant workers group, um, they raised the issue of unaffordable transport. So as well as talking about housing, we need to talk about the fact that, you know, when people are pushed out to zone four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or further, you know, they actually have to pay more to get into the centre of London, which is where they work. So yeah, these migrant workers said to us, you know, they're spending three hours on buses, like every day, trying to commute. And that's just so unfair. <laughs> um, they can't afford to live near where they work. So it feels like they're being like persecuted. If anybody did an equality impact
2: assessment, the the, the racism that is so inherent mm. in the distribution of, of palm resources in this country, in, in London, yeah. now, it's, it's so sickening. And I remember complaining about this like 30 years ago. And twenty years ago, and ten years ago, yeah. and it's worse now. Yeah. And I, I don't. I'm, I'm really glad you're doing the work that you're doing. But we've got to get also the Labour Party to do something and make commitments about, um, I don't know, renationalising housing. Some of the housing, yeah. the public housing, it was, it was, it was financed through public money, through taxation. We contributed, and it, and people who are living in what was council housing and is now. Who, yes, yeah, it's now private. That's, I call that theft. Yeah. It seems to yeah. me it's theft. Working class mm-hmm. people paid rents. Now they want to, the, this current government, government want to reduce tenancies and and everybody is saying, don't be bloody daft. If they did it, it would be multi-million pound theft yeah. Yeah. from poor people. Yeah. And it's a disgrace. It is, it's... Oh, I, I, I try not to swear, but i I, I just so disgusted yeah. and shocked by nobody
1: speaking the out. The lack of political will is what absolutely has led to, like, mass disillusionment from the main political uh, system. Do you know what I mean? Like, people do not vote. They don't even know, like, I was speaking to my friend yesterday, um, and I said, are you going to vote? And he said, what am I voting for? And I said, well, it's the London elections, like you can, have, you can vote a London Assembly member in and a mayor. I said, have you heard of like Sadiq Khan or Zach Goldsmith? He said, who? I, said, I, I was like, woo, you know, and then, and then he was like, are you talking about the EU? Like, and I was just like, you know, but this is common, and only 30% of Londoners are going to vote. So we need to do something at the grassroots that to mobilize people to educate people and to organize but it can't be boring it can't be like okay i'm going to make a speech and you know
2: but people do need to know that if they don't if they don't engage there are these likely consequences. Exactly. And it's not, about, it's not about scaring people. Yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. predicting what we know from, from fact, factual information. Yeah. We know that further privatisation of communal land, whether it is physical commons yeah. or public spaces or housing, is going to be an economic and a social disaster for London. And I suspect for other major cities as well. But we're in London. You're yeah, standing yeah. as a representative for for a, a place in London, and I, I, I don't despair, but I do think we need to be to explain the system to people because yeah. there's no there's no way that they otherwise know it. I found out, and you found out, but we, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not commonplace there's more work needs to be done but we certainly need to understand how the system works so that we can change it to make it beneficial for the majority not the minority
0: because i mean the 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 parlous state of inequality in London, the housing crisis, I think things like uh, the public transport being far too expensive is absolutely wrapped up in that they are going to get worse I mean, it, you know, it, millions and of people will continue coming to London yeah. ultimately, um, there was actually a one of the sort of stories about social cleansing, about people poor people being pushed out to the extremity of London because they can't afford to live here there was a response from a uh, Labour MP who who said, you know, with the best will in the world, she she sort of was sympathetic she said um you know all the, all that's going to happen is that the poorest paid workers won't afford be able to afford to live in london anymore and they'll leave and i thought that's not quite right they will have to stay here this work where needs to be done where else are they going to go and, and the consequence ends up being people in ever more cramped conditions living further out commuting more having a worse quality of life
2: i predicted this um in at a labour party conference and i can't remember which year it was but i remember the headlines they were uh, attacking me, I must have been leader of the council by then, because if I'd just been an ordinary rank and file member, they wouldn't have taken any notice. But I talked about ethnic cleansing, yeah. and I said, taken to its logical conclusions, people will be, will be, you know, sent to to Birmingham and outside London because of the that was the those, the policies then that was under Thatcher, and they are being they have been reintroduced those policies of getting away from. Wide distribution of working class people on council housing who who um, then don't vote Tory, and so there, I think the current government are ideological. They are fearful of working class people. Whether whether um, what's he called the boy Cameron or, or is or isn't, I don't I don't care. But the majority of their voters and their ideology is about it's about class, even if they don't say it. And I think they're fearful of working class people. They're th- fearful of black people. I don't know if they. I don't know if they know that we actually have a class. I don't. I think they, we we only have a skin colour. We don't. Yeah, yeah. We just have a skin colour. And so, uh, so you know, getting a few more black people in parliament is somehow going to appease us all. Bleeding nonsense. So, I, we have a lot of work to do. I'm really glad you're doing some. I hope I can do some at least at a. Writing level, and I do talks Can't and radio. Us, well, uh, well yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stay I'm gonna stay with the Labour Party. My mum and dad but we're did. Have, like, two tiers,
1: innit? We're yeah, have, like, I might. You know, you don't have to be part of the political side of, of yeah. the political party side of us, if you don't want really
2: to. But the activist own. side, yeah, I will. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely share those politics. I definitely share those politics, and will um I will, as it were, demonstrate them whenever and wherever I can. You're
1: uh, no big <laughs> I, well, I think that that would be logical because not everybody wants to do party political stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't <laughs> before, <laughs> to be fair. I don't think I could ever sign myself up to a, like a mainstream political party. Um, I'd Never say never though, I guess. But you know, like uh, I think that what we'd like to do is uh, continue workshopping with people but also linking like groups across London who are sharing similar struggles, creating mass assemblies like for discussion. And like more, like we've been running events, um, like spoken word events, uh, like the Tale of Two Cities. We've got an, actually we've got an event coming on. Uh, next Thursday, the 28th, we're gonna be at the Osmani Center um, in Whitechapel and Linda's coming to speak. Hallelujah. <laughs> um yeah, <laughs> and How, I? yes yeah, you are. I you, so it better be in know. your diary. Yeah, no, don't. <laughs> okay. oh <my> <laughs> Wicked. Um I'm speaking. We're going to have singing like yeah, spoken word. Um and like uh there's a community member from North Woolwich called Manza. He's he's like a caterer and his food is so banging and it's going to be there that night. So you've got to come through. <laughs> but yeah, like i events like this need to continue because these events are where we share our common stories and this is where we feel like we can express like what we're going through but also we can start organizing.
2: Building a grassroots politics on the left that's what I mean I'm not interested in grassroots politics on the right but a grassroots politics on the left is something that has to be done. The Labour Party needs to recognize it has to do that thing. I think uh, there was
1: a going through like that
2: momentum thing. Yeah. Momentum, I, I'm not going to criticise anything. Yeah. I, I'm glad that people are looking to the people. That's the point. Yeah. As opposed to simply, you know, thinkers at the centre telling us all what to do is not the way to in, to enable, to facilitate the kind of creativity and the freedom that most of us want and and I'm really glad that you're doing what you're doing. Even though I'm going to be a bit more traditional yeah. and and stick to my kind of party stuff. I haven't been doing much because my partner was ill, um, and and she's recently died. And I'm kind of getting back into into engaging in politics. But I'm pleased to see what's happening. Um, I don't live in London anymore, and I can't afford to move back to London. Yeah um yeah. i can stay with friends Whilst but i'm out, well, yeah. out that's right absolutely so there's lots wrong with london but there's also a lot right with london it's got huge amounts of potential huge amounts of creativity often brought in by the by the people from other countries who pay their bloody taxes as opposed to the millionaires who don't yeah. pay, pay pay their
1: taxes did you see the tv debate the other day no, I didn't. Pretty, no, not, me, not anyone apart from me, it looks like, was watching that. Did you see it, Linda? No, 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 no. Pretty no. diabolical. Is
0: that, is that your sort of summary?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it was on at like 10.30 at night. <laughs> Why is it on at that time? It should be prime time telly. Sean Berry and um, thingy from Lib Dems, uh, Caroline Pigeon came out like looking all right.
2: Compared to them, to Caroline Pitchin was a South- Southwark council. I remember her, and she. I think she ran away because I said something. Oh. I mean, she took. She. She. She resigned. It. I think it was me because I, I apparently I'd been a bit critical. Duh, that's called politics, mate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, she sounded all right. Well, Do you know what I mean? I mean? Like compared to but, but weird. like Andrew Neil was like hosting it and he just shouted over them for the whole thing it was like yeah but I want an answer which is true like we we do want answers and stuff but it was like not very helpful yeah
0: I'm really unclear about what Sadiq's housing plan will actually involve in practice um, personally like he seems to share what a lot of Labour councils like have Put forward as their solutions the housing crisis, which is to announce a massively high number of council houses that they're going to build, which seem to be uncosted and and unlikely to. I mean, I live in Southwark. That's that's what they've, Southwark, yeah, that's, know, what housing, that's what they, that's what they've done recently. Is is sort of announced that they're going to build twenty thousand council houses. But you sort of dig into the numbers, and there's no real evidence that that's going to happen.
2: There are some nice signs up on the uh, Old Kent Road. Uh, I did notice them this morning as I took the bus in. Um, I was pleased to see. S- Southwark's logo on so these were empty estates. Um, and these is the hey, it's the old Haygate estate that, um, yeah. which, well, how much it's about 15 years since they've been talking about it.
0: The former resident, I mean, it's a case study in gentrification, really. Yeah. The former yeah. residents have been pushed out to uh, Dartford yeah. to sort of far, furthest uh, reach what, of I, southeast I, I London.
2: Uh, and this is what I, I predicted this, this sort of thing. Um, and I think I was called an extremist or a loony for predicting that this would happen, this is what they were consciously seeking to do.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's uh, it's a disgrace. And if only we could encourage more white working-class people to stand up and say no, because, of course, many of us as immigrants will say no, but... Some unity and solidarity between communities. Yeah, yeah uni- because I think people are getting away with divide and rule.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: And, and we, what exactly. we need is a politics which is around class. We really mm. do. And it's not about class hatred, it's not about class envy. It is about class solidarity and the, the reality that London cannot live without its working-class people that's doing great. the bloody work. That's-
0: Excellent. Well, um, that's terrific. I think we're we're running out of time. I mean, any final thoughts from either of you in terms of th- what, what the future holds after May, irrespective of who wins?
2: Um, hopefully some solidarities along the lines that we're talking about. And maybe at grassroots level, I remain a feminist. And one of the things that we did in the women's liberation movement was have consciousness-raising groups, small places that a small group of people could engaged, could argue, could support each other, and then growing into a wider group. But what we did was raise consciousness. And that really does need to happen, particularly in our working class communities, black and white, male and female, you know, straight, LGBT, whatever. We, we, we need to be aware that we're not merely pawns in a process in which the rich and famous um, can, you know, make decisions that m- impact upon our lives without us responding. And I think creating that space to learn to argue, to mm. learn to, to find out what the facts are, to be empowered by that. Not everybody wants to go to university, and I'm not suggesting everyone has to, but there are things about people's lives they have a right to know. Yeah. And uh, and with knowledge is power.
1: Oh end on that no <laughs> um yeah i think uh post may it's about building this solidarity and this movement um and it needs to look different from from anything else that we're seeing at the moment it can only work through uh everybody being involved so um yeah it's about using art as a form of an expression, as we always have um, with Take Back the City. Um, it's about possibly running for the councils as well. It's about finding these community leaders, but also uh, developing people in our communities to feel they can become uh, community leaders because they, they have so much experience um, uh, of, of, you know, what they're going through. Um, and yeah, it is about that consciousness that Linda's talking about. Um, and that can only come through humans getting together. And that's that's the only way. If activists on the left can facilitate this and can, but also can being in listening um, mode, that will really, to what's going on. But then sharing, like, okay, we have examples of, you know, in Barcelona, in Madrid, with their, you know, Podemos, Barcelona and Comu, and Ahora Madrid. You know, like, these are real-life examples of how people are taking it back. I wouldn't be surprised if there, there's
2: not some examples, in London as well, of, yeah. of, 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 you know, grassroots communities doing stuff who then don't get... That, 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 that we don't we're not we hearing hear that yes them. so well, we've I got a be on
1: bbc london for like a
2: minute. few seconds yeah, yeah exactly you know a 10 minutes somebody talking about them yeah. not not minutes some seconds you know somebody talking about them as opposed to allowing them to speak for themselves so yeah, yeah, some work around uncovering the activism that is there yeah. and it, and and recognizing it. i don't we don't have to big it up we just need to recognize and give respect mm. to those working-class communities who are doing stuff for themselves. And that might empower and mobilise.
1: Yeah, because if you see other people doing it, you're like, how did you do that? Give me tips. And can we stand in solidarity together and create something bigger? And that's what we're all about.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Amina Gachinga and Linda Bellows, thank you very much. Uh, This has been a Verso and Compass podcast. Uh, Thanks to Aaron Bastani. I've been Dan Hancocks. Thank you very much.